All right, all right. Calm down, you crazy people. So, so last week, last week apparently, you know, I was in the middle of the message. I'm talking about the guy living for us. You all know because you've either texted me or Facebooked me or emailed me or called me. Hey, did you know? Yes, I know Dick Clark died. So if you weren't here, last week, middle of the message, I was talking about Methuselah lives forever in the Bible. And I said, kind of like Dick Clark, he goes on forever and ever. And then, bam, Dick Clark dies. That's right. Got to be careful what I say up here. That Betty White. Wouldn't that be crazy if it actually happened? Seriously, I don't have that much power, all right? I mean, like, oh, how dare you? Seriously, we are not superstitious around here. William Shatner. Was that guy like a hundred? Come on. Who else? I'll say your name next. You're not careful. <laughs> Seriously, every service I go, Betty White, and they go, oh, she's really not that great of a lady. All right. I don't know if you ever watched. Okay, just, just saying. So, uh, welcome to Element, if you are new. <laughs> uh, there are Bibles in the back. If you don't own one, you can have one. If you forgot one, you can use one. There are sermon notes on all the communion tables throughout the room. If you have a smartphone, you can download an app. It's called Version. You click on Live, bring us up by GPS in your smartphone, and then you'll get the sermon notes and the verses so you don't have to grab the things off the tables. Uh, we at Element do a kind of bi-monthly magazine. Uh, this this uh, issue is, of our Element Dispatch is about Jonathan Whitaker, our newest elder, so you can get to know who he is. Uh, also, some stuff about Vandenberg Air Force Base in here, things like that. You actually look and he's got nice little pictures of him growing up as a kid. Oh, look, going on their date, he and his wife in high school sweethearts. Oh. Okay, whatever. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we, we usually don't, we don't print that many hard copies. If you want one, you can ask Mikey to order you one and, and he can order you one, but they're like, it's like seven bucks to print these. Only print a couple. Uh, what we do, it's a digital magazine. So if you have an, look great on the iPad, uh, uh, Android device, iPhone on your computer at home. Uh, if you have a smartphone, this little QR code in the bottom of it, you can scan that and it'll take you to the page with the new element dispatch in there and you can check it out and read it and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we do this to hopefully keep you guys a little bit better informed of what's going on and, and things like that are an element. Plus, we'd have you do it in a nice little cool format. Last thing I've got is uh, if you actually are here, like Ryan was talking about Crosspoint this morning, or if you're here from another church, maybe some things have happened, and you were maybe involved in leadership or a small group there, next Sunday, after every single one of the services, uh, our elders are going to get together. We're going to be uh, out in the back office out there, and we'd like you guys to hang out and talk to us. We're going to uh, tell you our vision of gospel community versus small group, what the differences are in that. And if you were involved in leadership in any way and you're thinking about making an element your home, we'd love to talk to you and then just let you know what opportunities are there and help maybe plug you in a little bit all right so uh this morning james is talking to you he's gonna we're going through noah's ark and this is the funny thing about this i told him six months ago what week he had to do this and then he plans his kids retreat on this same weekend i don't know i'll see like that james fairfield he lives forever i don't have that much power it's okay it's not going to happen, although it might. <laughs> I am going shooting with Haley's family, so it just might happen. <laughs> uh, hello, I'm James. Uh, if you are concerned about your kid who is on Guy's Retreat and you're like, who's there with my child? Uh, we got lots of leaders there. 
Uh, thank God for my leaders. They're bailing me out of this one. Uh, so they're safe. It's going to be okay. I drove back last night. It was really nice to not have to sleep on a sleeping bag in the middle of the ground. I like that. Um, so anyways, uh, Aaron kind of stole my intro. So I'm the youth pastor, but you know, cool. So let's get started. Uh, will you guys stand me for the reading of God's Word? Uh, this is James 1.15. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Will you guys pray with me? Uh, God, we just, uh, we just thank you for today. Thank you that we get to gather here um, and, and worship you. Uh, God, I pray that, that you would speak to us, that you would convict us when, where we need convicting, and, and ultimately we would grow closer to you. Uh, God, I pray that our lives would reflect you and, and your grace, and people would come to know uh, your goodness by how we live. Uh, be with us today, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're starting to talk on Noah's Ark this week. We'll be talking about Noah's Ark for the next couple weeks. It's a pretty long story, but it's a really good one. I'm pretty sure Aaron gave me this week uh, to start off Noah's Ark uh, because Noah and I kind of have some similarities, you know. I understand very, very little of what Noah had to go through. Uh, if you guys don't know, if you're new, uh, I was once stuck on a boat for five days in the middle of the ocean. Uh, you guys know that Carnival cruise ship that broke down off the coast of Mexico? Yeah, my honeymoon. It was awesome. Um, so I kind of understand what it's like to be stuck on a boat and have nothing to do, really. Uh, I know what it's like to be stuck on a boat without plumbing, um, what that smells like. Uh, I know what it's like to be surrounded by water but not have the option of a shower or a bath. Uh, I know what it's like to uh, go only five days, so it's really not that bad, without the option of a hot meal. Uh, Noah, you know, experiences a lot more intensely than I do, but, you know, Noah and I, we're kind of, we're kind of bros. Um, so uh, over the next few chapters, we'll talk about Noah. And, and to me, uh, Noah's Ark is one of the most depressing stories in all of Scripture. Uh, it's, it's really quite sad. I'm kind of disturbed that we continue to tell it to kids over and over and over again. Um, and we try and paint the story of Noah's Ark to be one of happiness and joy, like everything was okay. Noah was super happy to be on the boat, and we see pictures of Noah and the boat and giraffes sticking their heads out. It's like we bought a zoo, but in the middle of the ocean, and it's, it's super fun, and we have pictures kind of like this. And it's like, yeah, doesn't that look fun? A rainbow and sunshine and animals, and everyone is smiling. Yay! Uh, we have children's books. We have coloring books about Noah's Ark. Uh, you can buy a toy set of Noah's Ark if you would like your kids to play with the toys in, in Noah's Ark. And, and we try and create these happy emotions, like Noah was rejoicing. Okay? I was stuck on a boat for five days. Very little rejoicing in those five days. Very, very little rejoicing. If I was stuck on a boat for longer than that, it would have gotten crazy. It would not have been as nearly as civilized as it actually was. It pretty much would have been awful. But we paint the story of Noah's Ark to be one of happy and rejoicing because we can't deal with the real hard truth of Noah's Ark. The hard truth that everyone but Noah and his family die. Like I said, it's depressing. Um, you know, when there's a mass amount of people dying, we usually don't make light of that. You know, there's a reason we don't have 9-11 Legos and Concentration Camp Barbie. It, it's... It's disturbing. It's, it'd be sick. It'd be twisted. It's not something we want our children reading. It's not something we want our children reenacting over and over again. Um, it's, it's sad. 
It's hard to see this. It's hard to see this much death. It's hard to see this much sin. Uh, so if you were like, yay, the youth pastor's teaching today. He's kind of funny. Or, you know, his, his sermon on dating last time he spoke was pretty funny. Uh, not today, really. Uh, it's pretty much all the humor I got for you. So if you have a Bible, you can open to Genesis 6. That's where we're going to be. going to go through the rest of Genesis 6 and all of chapter 7. It's a lot of scripture. A lot of scripture. So Genesis 6.11. Now the earth was corrupted in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all the flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. Uh, Paul says something similar to this when he quotes Isaiah in Romans 3. But Romans 3, 10 through 12. No one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Everyone sins. Everyone. It's kind of like what Aaron talked about last week, this pattern of you're born, you sin, you die. People are born, they sin, they die. It's very depressing, but also it's very true. And we see this pattern continue in Genesis 6 and 7. So verse 13. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. He says, God, he says to Noah, this is what's going to happen, okay? I'm going to judge the earth. Everyone is sinning, continuing to sin. They've been doing the same things for thousands of years. No one is changing. No one is repenting. They just continue to steep themselves in sin. Nothing is changing. Sin brings death. And now God is going to be a judge. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Savior. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Genesis 3. And in Genesis 3, 24, it says, he drove, the man, he drove out the man at the east of the Garden of Eden, and he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. God says, Adam, you sinned. Now you have to suffer the consequences. You sinned, and the consequences for that is death. So this is what God is going to do. He's going to be a just God and judge the earth. And we can't really say, oh, well, that's really mean. And, you know, James, I don't really think that's fair. That's perfectly fair. We know the consequences for our actions. We know that sin brings death. We know that when we break the law, there is punishment. God is being just here. I mean, if we were to take a step back and look at this from God's perspective, if everyone is sinning, continuing to sin, and nothing is changing, how do you fix this? What, what do you do? Do you send an example? God did that. God sent Enoch. We talked about Enoch last week. 365 years Enoch lived, and he walked with God. There's an example. Noah walks with God. There's an example. Do you give them more time to change? Again, last week we talked how God gave 1,600 years. How much more time do you give people? Do you give them a warning? God said 120 years. Man's got 120 years, and then I'm going to judge. There's a warning. Do you give the people a way out? This is what today's all about. God has Noah build an ark, build a huge boat, a way out. The, the answer is simply you start over. You start over. So verse 14. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark will be 300 cubits. And it's width, 50 cubits. It's height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to be a cubit above. 
set the door in the side of the ark. Make it with a lower and a second and a third deck. For behold, I will bring the flood of the water upon the earth and destroy all flesh with the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on earth will die. It's a pretty specific boat. God says, Noah, you're going to build it this way. This is how it's going to be done. You're going to take an extremely durable, extremely buoyant wood. You're going to cut it all up and you're going to build this boat. And then you're going to cover the entire thing in pitch. This is a day before power tools. So the cutting probably wasn't super precise. So if there was a hole, you cover it with pitch to make sure no water gets in. A lot is riding on this boat. It says, Noah, you need to do it right. Make sure it's right. Now, Real quick, I always think it's interesting to talk about how big Noah's Ark is, because it's huge. I mean, we look at 300 cubits, and we think, yeah, that, that's pretty big. Um, a cubit is about the size of a man's arm, from elbow to fingertip. Um, so 300 of those makes it pretty big. Uh, it's a real precise measuring tool. Uh, it was a day before they had measuring tapes, so he's like, one, cool, two, excellent, I'm good, cool, I can do this. Um, after it's all said and done, a Noah's Ark can fit 569 railroad cars in it. Uh, if you were to take those railroad cars and make a train, that train would be about five and a half miles long. It's a big train. It's a lot of space. It has about 21 college-sized basketball courts worth of foot space on all three decks. Uh, Noah's Ark probably looks something like this, actually. Uh, a guy in the Netherlands built this. Well, he and a whole team built this. It wasn't just him. Uh, it took him about three years to build, uh, $1.6 million to build it. Uh, he tried to build a replica of Noah's Ark. He actually used cubits instead of a measuring tape, which I think is kind of cool. Um, now, Noah's Ark is built on a one to six ratio, 50 cubits wide, 300 cubits in length. And the science of naval architecture says that, that this ratio, this one to six ratio, is the most stable for any ocean-going vessel. Uh, Modern-day boats, modern-day military boats, ocean-going vessels, are all built on this same ratio. And the reason it's so popular is because it makes the boats almost impossible to flip. Now, when God tells Noah to build a boat, he knows what he's doing. He says, you're going to build this boat, and it's going to be strong. It's going to be steady. This boat is built to last. And when you learn that about the boat, when you know that about the boat, it kind of puts a new light on this next verse. But I will establish my covenant with you. You shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. I will establish a covenant with you. God's covenant is strong. It's built to last. It's powerful. It provides for needs. It might not be everything that we want or everything Noah wanted, but we understand that it's because of grace that God sets up any kind of covenant with us. Noah finds a great joy in that. We should be a people who find a great joy in that. And, and now, of everyone on the earth, it's kind of the sad part. Now, of everyone on the earth, God decides to save eight people. Noah, his wife, his sons, and their wives. There might have been a few more people. There might have, Noah's sons might have had some kids. Um, but e either way, it's a very small group of people that God decides to save. And you see, even of that very small group of people, it's 100% grace that saves them. It's nothing that they did. It's all God. It's all God's grace. And now, most people know this next part. Um, all the animals load into the boat or gathered the animals. Uh, Genesis 6. Starting in verse 21, I'm going to go through 7, 5. Um, Two of every sort of animal shall come to you, and you are to keep them alive. 
Also, take with you every sort of food that is eaten and stored up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this in all that God commanded him. The Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of every kind of clean animal, male and its mate, every kind of pair of unclean animal, a male and its mate. Also, seven pairs of every kind of bird, a male and a female, to keep their various kinds of life throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and for 40 nights. I will wipe out from the face of the earth every living, living creature I have made. And Noah did all that God commanded him. Noah does everything God commands him to do. He doesn't just do some. He doesn't just do the things that are convenient. He doesn't just do the things that are easy. He does everything. All of it. Because it wouldn't be enough to just do some. It wouldn't be enough to just gather the animals without a boat. It wouldn't be enough to just build a boat and gather the animals. He, he needs to build a boat and he needs to build stalls and then gather animals. And it wouldn't be enough to do all that. He needs to build a boat and build stalls and gather food and gather animals. He needs to do everything. And that's what he does. He does it all. And you see that during this time, Noah is also preaching. He's preaching repentance. He's having church services every week or every day, preaching a way that God is providing a way. God always provides. God always provides a way. You see the point from Adam to Noah. You see the point from Adam to Christ. Adam to now. It's a story of God providing a way. God always provides a way, and Noah listens. Romans 12.1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the memories of God, by the mercies of God, oops, um, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Noah's attitude towards God should be our attitude towards God. God, what would you have me do? I think we ask that question a lot, but I don't know if we really take it serious. I don't know if we really do the things that God asks us to. See, most of us, we, we, when we read the Bible, we we kind of get fixated on the verses. It's like, God loves, God forgives, God sent his son to die for us. I can sin, and then God will forgive, and, and he's so merciful and great. And those are great, great things to fixate on, but we never go to any of the hard stuff. You know, when God says, you are to live on mission, we go, ah, that sounds kind of difficult to me. I don't know if I'm going to do that. You know, when God says, be in gospel community with one another. Live the gospel with each other. Uh, that kind of sounds a little inconvenient for me. I kind of have my social life. I kind of have my church life. To mesh the two sounds really tough. I don't know if I'm going to do that. You know, when God talks about not lusting, well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to give that up. I'm kind of just going to hold on to that sin and give everything else to God. I'm just going to hang on to that. You know, pray for your enemies. Love those who hate you. Well, that's clearly not talking to me. I mean, I don't know if God has met my enemies, but they're awful. Okay, I don't know if Jesus could love my enemies. That's how bad they are. So he's probably just not talking to me. I'm just not going to do that part. No, Noah does everything God asks of him. Not just some, but everything. That should be us as well. Now, in doing everything God commands him to do, do you think Noah got discouraged? I do, absolutely. You guys, like two people answered, they're like, yeah. Last service, everyone was like, the answer's not Jesus, what do I do? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think he did. I think he got discouraged. 
It takes a hundred years to build a boat. Quite literally, a lifetime to build a boat. During this time, he has three people help him. His sons. He had to make people to help him. No one else would. Okay? Four people building a boat that could fit 569 railroad cars in it. No one else would help him. No one else would pick up a hammer. I think that would be very discouraging. You're preaching this way that God is providing a way. God will provide. God is going to judge, yet he's providing a way. And no one listens. No one cares. Today, that'd be like being a singer-songwriter. You and your guitar for a hundred years. You're trying to get signed. You're trying to get people to like your music, listen to your music. You're just trying to make it big. In a hundred years, you get one fan. Your mom, okay? Doesn't really count, okay? If you want to be a rock star, your mom doesn't really count as your biggest fan. I mean, sorry, moms, it's just true. Rock stars, you know? It would be discouraging, It'd be highly, highly discouraging. I think people look at Noah like he's crazy. A complete madman for building a boat this big in the middle of a desert. People thought he must have been stupid, really. It'd be like today if someone started building a boat this big in the middle of the Nevada desert, and they're like, yo, there's going to be a massive rain. In Nevada? Really? In the desert? It's going to flood here? Where you need a boat that big? No, it's, it's not. That's crazy. You're crazy. You're a crazy person. I think that if that was to happen today, people would look at him like that. Genesis uh, chapter 7, verse 6. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came to the earth. Noah and his sons and his wife and the wives of his sons entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Pairs of clean and unclean animals, the birds, of all the creatures that mo- the birds and all the creatures that moved across the ground. Male and female came to Noah and entered the ark as God commanded Noah. Verse 10. After seven days, the water of the flood came upon the earth. Now God gives Noah a warning. It says seven days. Seven days and it's going to start. Seven days and it's going to start raining and it's going to start flooding. I think during these seven days, Noah is preaching repentance like he has never done before. Seven days. People, you have seven days. Seven days, and it's going to be raining harder than you have any ever seen. Seven days, and you're going to be swimming for your life. Seven days, and I can't help you. Seven days, and God is going to judge. There is enough room for all of you on the boat. Just get on the boat. Get on the boat. You only have seven more days. The boat has room for all of you. You see that if there were 40,000 animals on this boat, and each animal averaged the size of a sheep, which is a highly accepted view, the animals would have used up about 30% of the boat. That's it, okay? 70% of this boat was used for eight people and food. There's a ton of room on this boat. God is more than generous with anyone who is willing to repent. God didn't just provide a way for Noah. He provided a way for so many people. God always provides a way. But no one listens. No one cares. No one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. No one gives a rip about Noah. No one cares about the flood. No one cares about God. No one. Then in Genesis Genesis 7, 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the deep burst forth, 
the windows of heaven were open. The rain fell upon the earth for forty days and for forty nights. On the very same day, Noah and his sons, Shem and Ham and Japheth, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons entered into the ark. They and every beast according to its kind, and all the livestock according to their kind, every creeping thing that creeps across the earth according to its kind, every bird according to its kind, every winged creature, they went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh in which there was the breath of life. And those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. This is one of the saddest spots in Scripture for me. Everyone loads into the boat. And it starts raining. And it might have started as a drizzle, but it did not take very long for it to be an absolute downpour of rain. And I wonder if at this time, Noah is standing in his boat, silent. Just broken over the condition of everyone who would not repent. Silent, broken, that no one would take the way that God provided. Or I wonder if he's the absolute opposite of that. Yelling, yelling at the top of his lungs, yelling for his neighbors, yelling for his aunts and his uncles, yelling for the people that his sons grew up with, yelling for the parents of his son's wife, yelling to the people who Noah bought the wood from, yelling to the people that Noah bought the tools so he could build this boat. Hurry! It's starting. It's here. The flood is here. Get on the boat, please. There is not that much time. It is happening. Don't be such fools. God has provided a way. Walk up the ramp. And no one does. And you see the rain starts to get heavier. And I want you to look at that last section again. The last five words. The Lord shut him in. God closes the door. No one else is coming, Noah. No one else cares. Not one. I mean, you see, this creates a sense of loneliness. It's not the Lord shut them in. It's him. That's it. No one else. Last week, we walked through 1,600 years of human history. We saw that in that time, two guys walk with God. Only two. Kind of creates a sense of loneliness. But also there's There's a spark of hope in that. That while no one will join them, they'll never be truly alone. That God will never abandon them. So they're in the boat. The door closes. And the rain starts to pour. And the first ones to go are the ones who who aren't strong enough to climb onto their roofs. The ones who aren't strong enough to to climb a tree. The ones who aren't fast enough to run up the closest mountain. They're the first to go. The last to go are probably those who thought that they were stronger than God, thought that they could run up the closest mountain and escape the flood. Those who thought that they were smarter than God and they could fashion some kind of raft that they could live on for the next, well, we'll find out next week, the next year. The ones who thought that they were too good for the ark. Verse 17. For 40 days, the flood kept coming on the earth. As the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the earth. The the waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains under the heavens were covered. The water rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 15 cubits. It did not matter how high on a mountain you got. 
It did not matter how tall of a tree you climbed. It did not matter what kind of raft you built. You could not escape this flood. Verse 21. Every living thing on the ground perished. Birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm over the earth, and all of mankind. Everything on dry land with nostrils that had the breath of life died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man, animals, and the creeping things, and the birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those that were with him on the ark. And the waters prevailed on the earth for 150 days. See, this 40 days of downpour, this isn't, this isn't the end of the flood. It's not like Noah is, gets on the ark, day 20 hits here, and day 40 hits the ground again. No, it takes him 40 days to get here, and then he stays there for 150 days. Nothing can survive that long. Nothing. Everything and everyone dies. Very, very sad. You see why I'm kind of disturbed that we tell this story to children so much. See, we have pictures showing Noah having a grand old time on the ark. Like he's on there with the animals, and they're just having a blast. I don't believe so. I mean, imagine if you and your children and their spouses were the only ones who were alive. Everyone else died. You think mourning the loss of a family member or an acquaintance or a friend or a loved one is difficult? Everyone Noah knew is now dead. Noah isn't on the ark busting out the champagne, laughing and being like, God, those idiots out there. No, he's inside broken. Broken for the condition of people. Broken that no one would listen to God. Broken that God provided a way and no one cared. Not one. When I look at chapter 6 and chapter 7, I can't help but ask the question, why? Why? And and it's not, why would God flood the earth? Because to be honest, I completely get that. Sin brings death. People continue to sin against God. Nothing is changing. If someone continually, if everyone continually sinned against you, it would be awful. Genesis 6, 6 says, And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. God is grieved over our sin. It breaks his heart. I completely understand a new start. Totally get that. The thing I don't understand is why Noah? Why Noah? What did Noah do? See, Noah wasn't this super righteous guy. Noah didn't have a degree in theology. Shoot, Noah didn't even have a firm grasp on who God was. He was this normal dude, working guy, probably went to the bar too much and got drunk with his buddies. See, the silver lining to this story and the answer to that question is grace. Grace saved Noah. God shows himself to Noah and offers grace. He says, Noah, you're going to build a boat. Grace. Noah, I'm going to save you and your family. Grace. God could have just easily killed Noah and started completely over. But just as easy. Probably easier. But instead, God offers grace. Rather than completely starting over, he offers a newness. He offers a remaking. He offers a new life through grace. God always provides a way. 
and it's grace. You see how this story just foreshadows Christ. Jesus is our way. Jesus is our way out of certain destruction, out of certain death. Jesus is our covenant, our strong, lasting covenant, unbreakable. And the grace that he offers to Noah is the same grace that he offers to us. He extends grace by sending his son to die in our place. He extends grace by entering into a relationship with us. God extends grace by setting up a strong covenant with us. Grace to redeem us of our past sins, of the sins that we will commit. Grace to forgive. Grace to partner with us or to give us the opportunity to partner with him. And bring redemption and bring good and bring love and bring his gospel to this broken world we live in. This broken community, this broken city. Grace to know love, to know friendship, to experience community. These are all things given by God's grace. Grace to be part of God's plan. That's why Noah. That's why us grace see God sends his son to die for us to take the sin that we deserve and offers grace it's a remarkable remarkable thing this is why we come to communion every single week because every week we take that cracker which represents his body which was broken for us we break it and we dip it in the wine or the grape juice which represents his blood that was poured out for us we say, God, thank you. We do this in remembrance of him, of him offering grace, of him continuing to offer grace. Uh, we worship God through music. Uh, the band's going to come up and they're going to play a few songs. And we sing of his grace. We sing of his forgiveness. We sing of his love, of his ability to save. We sing of him providing a way. Uh, we worship God through prayer. There's going to be some elders or deacons in the back, and, and they'd love to pray with you. They'd love to talk with you. Go back and, and get prayer. We worship God through tithes and offerings. There's offering boxes in the side and, and in the back. And we see that it's because of grace that God gave us the ability to work. It's because of grace, God gave us the ability to make money. And we realize that it's all his anyways. And so we give some back saying thank you. And lastly, we worship God through community. Um, go in the back, grab some food. There's, I think there's some cookies or cupcakes back there. Um, get to know someone. Talk with someone. Apparently, they're really good. If Aaron likes them, they're probably decent. Uh, sorry, not mean to offend anyone. Uh, worship God through community. Uh, and so get to know someone. Go out to lunch with someone. Get involved in a gospel community. Understand that it's because of grace that we get to live in community with one another. With one another. It's because of grace that we get to live on mission, being part of God's plan to reach Santa Maria. Get involved in one. You guys pray with me real quick. Uh, Jesus, we just thank you for the opportunity to come here and to study your word and to, to live in community with each other and to live in community with you. God, we thank you for the grace that you give. Grace that we can be in a relationship with you, the creator of everything. God, we see that we are so undeserving of that. 
We see that we deserve death. But you offer grace. We thank you for that way. We thank you for sending your son to come and die for us. So that we don't have to die, but, but rather live a new life with you. God, be with us this week as we go out and we live on mission for you. God, I pray that the glory would not be about us, but we would give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.